0: Everybody, thanks for listening today. We're a couple of Dusty Muffins. I'm Penny Legate. I'm Julie
1: Blacklow, I think.
0: What are we doing today? I, I love this topic, okay? and I might be the only one who loves it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it uses a word that Julie and I don't really care for, which is pivot. So we're just going to say pivotal because everybody uses pivot and it's way overused. Don't you think, Julie? I don't know what I think, but go ahead. All right. So I'm going to be doing the only talking today because Julie's over there in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> it's- <laughs> what doing? I
1: have a lot to say about the the topic. Okay, uh, I just we just don't know exactly what to call it,
0: right? Okay, let's call it the pivotal moments of our lives. Our life, the the, the things, singular, the moments, that,
1: the moments where life changed and turned in a different direction. That's too There's long. A, That's too long of a
0: time. <laughs> we, don't <even> know.
1: <laughs> we don't even know. what we're calling this this okay. thing. This is about you know the moments, turning points, the, turning points.
0: That right. is better. We got it. The turning points of our lives. Yes. Okay, so as you, I know people are sitting there or standing there or whatever you're doing, thinking now, hopefully, about your your turning points, because they are milestones where something shifted. It could be subtle and it could be dramatic. And, of course, Julie and I are both moms. So that kind of goes without saying. When you give birth, yeah. that's going to be one of the big pivotal moments of your life. So let's not talk about that necessarily because that's just sort of a no, given. No, except for the one
1: point I want to make about becoming a parent, yeah. which of course changes your life forever, which is the thing they never tell you before you become a parent, which is you will worry every day, probably in varying degrees for the rest of your life. That's right. About yeah. you're no longer the most important person in your life. Yeah. You can't even warn anybody about that because mm. you it's unimaginable. So that is a big turning point. But there are a lot of, you know, people who choose not to have kids and are sort of spared, (laughs) spared the worry. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you? Did you plane land yet? What? I know. Are you okay? You know, and you
0: you take it to your death. You're going to it's being a parent is a lifelong job. You don't get your kids to 18 and send them off to college and then (laughs) let go. It's uh, yeah. Lifelong commitment. And And you uh, never really let go. But let's
1: let's talk about The other turning point, when I got married, I was basically still an embryo. I was 22 years old. I mean, you know, that's really young. That's really it's too it's I want to say it's too young, but it certainly by today's standards seems too young. And it was probably too young then. But when I got married, it was still in the 1970s. So. Living together was still not quite a thing, at least in my hometown in Washington, D.C., with two sets of Jewish parents who would have collapsed in shock if we had lived together. So we got married. But if I hadn't married Richard Blacklow, who needed to get as far away from his Jewish mother as he could and move to Seattle, where my opportunities for my career in journalism happened because of him. So that, you know, the decision to get married and follow him 3,000 miles across the country was certainly one of my first major turning points of my life and changed everything. What was Mm -hmm. one of your biggest, Penny?
0: Well, I had this sweet memory of me being 18 years old. I grew up in western Nebraska in a little cow town of 5,000 people. And I always had a lust for travel. I, could, I just look at you know National Geographic and any kind of magazines and information about Machu Picchu and the Himalayan mountains. And I just had to be out there, born with wanderlust, which is interesting because nobody else in my family was like that. But when I was 18 years old, I had graduated from high school. It was a summer between graduating from high school, 1973, and going away to college the next year. And I auditioned and made it into the American Youth Symphony and Chorus. This was like way beyond the reach of our family economically because it was—I think it was a thousand dollars for six weeks to go on this trip. No way we could afford that. But I ended up working and getting a scholarship to go, and then went and painted. I'm kind of digressing here. Curbs with people's address numbers so that I could make enough money to to go on this trip. So fast forward to June of 1973. Are going back here. Dad had to take me from Ogallala all the way across the state to Lincoln, Nebraska, where I was going to catch a flight to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where this group congregated all these kids from all over the country to rehearse for a week before we went to six European countries. And now mind you, I have never been on an airplane. I'm 18 years old and I've never flown. And not only have I not flown, but I'm getting on an airplane and I'm going to Europe with a bunch of people I don't know. I am beyond excited. Dad and I, these were back in the days when a person accompanying you to the airport could walk you all the way to the jetway, right? Remember those days when you could see somebody off or meet <laughs> yeah. them there? Yes. At the jetways, you know, pre-TSA. They're calling to board the flight. I'm standing there with dad and he goes, okay, I think it's time for you to get on the plane. You know, I had no clue how, how hard this was for him, right? To sort of see his his middle daughter take off on this grandiose trip. Anyway, I walked towards the jetway And I walked a little bit into it and I turned around and I looked at him and he looked at me. Oh, this is such a. (laughs) And he said, Go on, Pen. Go on. And I did. And it just was this moment of my life where I I stepped away from home. Never looked back. Never looked back and became a totally different person. When I, when Mm -hmm. I returned, my mom said I was, I was not the same and I was better. I was, you
1: were different. I was
0: different. I was more informed. I I had seen, you know, big Ben and the mountains Mm -hmm. in Switzerland. And I started this whole, you know, this need for me to travel and see the world, but just for dad to say, you know, just go on, go on. Oh, I just, I hadn't planned to cry about this. (laughs) It was such a sweet story. Look, you know,
1: we can do a whole podcast about the importance of tears. It's a, it's a it's a good and natural thing to do. I'm thinking about how that must have felt to your 18-year-old self, <sighs> and you've never looked back. So you became a world traveler and connected to a planet much outside of your little town of Nebraska. And you still have the elements of that child in you, but you're a world citizen now. I'm trying to think, one uh, of the other pivotal moments, because we all have several of them, The other big pivotal moment for me was the day after September 11th when my dear friend Pepper Schwartz invited me out to her horse ranch. She knew I'd always loved horses, but I never had been to her ranch, which is about 30 minutes east of Seattle. And I went out there and I told her I'd always wanted to own a horse as a little girl. It was all I ever wanted. Fell in love with horses when I was still in diapers. So I had always been drawn to these amazing animals pepper said close your eyes she brought out this soul that had just been born at her ranch and she said open your eyes and there in front of me was the horse of my childhood dreams <laughs> she had already been named hollywood she was very flashy so the name suited her and that day i bought her <laughs> it was completely <laughs> irrational I had a job in television news, I had a career, but I knew somehow this was the another world opening up to me. So within a year, I would end up managing Pepper's horse ranch for mm-hmm. her, which I did for 20 years. Now, going from a career in television news to managing a horse ranch is about as 180 as anybody can get yes. in terms of life sure changes. Is. So that to me was one of the great turning points of my life and sent me in a new direction. Totally.
0: And, you know, you weren't anticipating that when you went out, you had no idea and look and look at this big step you took. That reminds me, too, of another story I'd like to share, which is, again, going back to my youth, I was in college and I was studying marine biology. I wanted to be a marine biologist and do research mostly on whales of all sorts, cetaceans. Growing up in Nebraska was sort of an odd goal. (laughs) Don't see too many (laughs) many whales. Large aquatic animals in Nebraska. 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 No, we have tadpoles and carp and stuff. <laughs> a lot of cows. A lot of cows. This was my dream, and so I was taking all my life sciences courses—biology, zoology, and math—and all the things I needed for a life science degree. And my plan was to get an undergraduate degree in biology because I didn't offer anything in marine biology at the University of Nebraska. So I knew I'd have to switch and go get a master's and probably onto a PhD somewhere. No idea how I would do that, but you know, I had this goal, and so I sat with my advisor. This is 1975. I'd been in college two years. And he said, so you want to be a marine biologist? And I said, yeah. And he said, you're going to go on to get this degree and then that degree, you know, post undergrad. And he said, you're going to spend a lot of money and time on education and not be able to use any of it. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, there's absolutely no jobs, no money, nothing going on in life science research. And he said, you will spend all this money and time on degrees and you're going to pump gas somewhere. That's that's pretty discouraging. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't have a whole lot of mentors at the college level at this point in my life. In hindsight, I would have done it much differently. But at the time, I thought, okay, then maybe I need to switch majors. And that's when I switched to journalism. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's a pivotal, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a 180. It, also, It was. Luckily, I was able to graduate in four years. In hindsight. I probably would have said, you know what? You don't know me. I'm going to find a job in Marianne biology because that—that's that's who I am now. But back then, as a 20-year-old girl from Ogallala, Nebraska, again, going back to my upbringing, I didn't have the confidence or the wherewithal to understand I was going to be able to do anything I damn well pleased and nobody's going to get in my way. Well,
1: we were never told that, Penny. No, we weren't. We were raised. I certainly wasn't. You're younger than I am, but I don't think anyone ever said to me, you can do anything you dream of. Mm -hmm. You can do anything you want. We had to find our own way and just believe in ourselves. Now the messages are more prolific and people, young women especially, but of course, men too, are being told they can do whatever they want to do. Right. There are models of
0: that all around. Those are the messages I think most really involved parents are giving their kids these days. I don't know how we got to where we are without any of those prompts. I really,
1: I don't. It was just it was just a happy accident, yes. really. That we ended up doing what we're doing, we were we were led to something without anybody at our backs necessarily, just spirit and magic, right,
0: and luck, right. Great, good yes, luck. good luck and uh, and good people in our lives that gave us hands up when we needed it. You know, the nice thing about ending up in journalism is a lot of great things. I I got to travel the world, telling stories and meeting all sorts of people, which really suited me probably better than sitting in a research lab somewhere. But I was able when I came to Seattle to cover everything whale, everything orca, everything you know, marine biology out here. And I became the whale expert, if you want to call me that, and Cairo, and covered many, many stories about the southern resident and- orcas and uh, Springer, the little whale that was rescued and sent back to her her home. And we should
1: say Cairo, she's referring to Cairo television news, the CBS affiliate here in Seattle. Yes, yes. We're well, not Cairo, Egypt, right? right. Cairo, right. The, tele- the, so, the television station, just to be just to be clear about yeah, it. Yeah. So these yeah.
0: points in your life and you don't, I don't know if you even realize it when you're there, but when you look back, it's like, whoa, that was a major yeah. right-hand turn that sent me off on this path. And I'm a believer that we get sent on the right paths, even though we don't recognize them. I, I'm a believer that... I, when I asked the universe for guidance, and of course, I wasn't doing that at 18 or 20. I wasn't wise enough yet to do that, I suppose. But uh, I certainly rely on the nature of goodness and of God, really, to, to lead me. Yes, it's, it's godliness,
1: for sure. Mm-hmm. Spirituality, godliness. But I have to say also, the decisions we make to end marriages that weren't working mm-hmm. are pivotal moments. Yes. And you and I have both been through uh, two divorces. Mm-hmm which changed the course of our lives. And they were very hard decisions and painful decisions, but those were were turning points. And here we are, my friend, at another big, pivotal moment, turning point in both of our lives where we've come together for reasons which we're now discovering to create joy and silliness and some meaning and to connect people. That's why we're doing this. We're still trying to connect. And one of our, our, our byline is we're we're old with big mouths and not ready to shut up. They'll never shut us up. I don't I don't know until until we draw
0: our last that's breath. That's right. And we want to affirm for other people who might be thinking now about their turning points that you're never too old to make the <laughs> no. pivot, right? There's that word again. No, to uh to face a turning point and reinvent yourself. It's uh just keep going, just keep learning, just keep embracing change. Well, that's what, you know, today
1: I saw something on Facebook that just blew my mind and it's kind of reflective of what we're talking about today about turning points and this is a quote from george bernard shaw and he says life is not about finding yourself life is about creating yourself now i don't know what that means exactly <laughs> but i'm thinking but i'm thinking about it and i have to think more about that so uh, turning points are part of the creative process they are
0: that is part of creating our lives that's right when we're weaving this tapestry yeah. don't be afraid to weave in some sparkly thread and and change the pattern <laughs> and yeah change it we want to hear about your turning points too so there's several ways you can reach us you can facebook us send us a message there at couple of dusty muffins on facebook um you can also email us couple dusty muffins at gmail.com and that's c-o-u-p-l-a we thought we'd be cute Cupla. Couple of dusty muffins at gmail.com and also the same address at Instagram. Let's hear from you. So, Julie, thanks for sharing your pivotal turning points of your life. Always interesting to learn more about you, my friend. Likewise, I've got a lot more. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Part two <laughs> coming up. Got... Oh and my four. God. All right. Over now anyway, for now. Thanks, Penny. Love you, girl hey a footnote here a couple of dusty muffins is all glued and tied and soldered together and made it sound so smart because of our production director clem daniel